this episode is sponsored by you. Yes, you heard that right. You are sponsoring this video by joining us on Patreon. Link in the bio or on Instagram or by visiting us at starmans.live. I apologize because Kristen is currently vacuuming the floor. You can probably hear that. Now, back to the episode. Fuck! Welcome back to Starman's Podcast in the morning. It's podcast in the... Uh, Starman's in the morning. <laughs> it's podcast in the morning. <laughs> and we are going down. No. I'm gonna, like... I'm gonna pay someone on Fiverr to create that song. It's gonna be horrible. It's Starman's in the morning. <laughs> Starman's in... <laughs> so if uh, any of you listeners work on Fiverr for... um No. Free, then let us know. Starman's in the morning. Or no. then write a jingle. I don't want a jingle. No, thank you. I like our intro better. Yeah, our intro is actually kind of sick. Mm-hmm. If it's... that song doesn't give you fucking chills, then you should probably not listen. Wow, damn. Okay. Well, what are we talking about? What, what chilling topic are we talking about today? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're talking about um, the largest insurance, potentially the largest insurance fraud case in history. God damn. Which is the Titanic. God damn. I Drop that little bomb. The tit- Yes, the Titanic. The Titanic that you thought of. The big ship that sunk, that hit the iceberg. Yeah, yes. and Rose was on there. And she dropped the heart of the sea uh, at the back. Okay. Because of her uh, hatred for the rich because of her love for Jack. 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 So, sadly enough, you've only seen the movie, which is embarrassing that you're not really educated on what the Titanic. Oh, I know exactly what history. happened. No, watching the movie does Leonardo not... DiCaprio <laughs> snuck onto a ship <laughs> and painted Rose like her like his French women. That's all you need to know about the Titanic. All right, episode over. A... All right, have a good day, everyone. You can follow us on our social. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Continue, please. Anthony's in full asshole mode this morning, so it's cool. <laughs> it's great. I don't shit on your topics. No, 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 no. Okay, so. That's what we're talking about today. The Titanic? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. No. Okay, yes. We are. All right. So this is it's this is a conspiracy theory. So I don't want to hear any hate. I don't want to hear people coming at me. This isn't necessarily proven true, but there is a lot of evidence behind it. So Well, considering our Instagram says something like Space topics, conspiracy, Space conspiracy and theories. Sweet topics that we like to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually, I think this is our first true conspiracy theory we've talked about, which is kind of- We talked about skinwalkers. Yeah, it's kind of- That's cons- conspiracy. Kind of conspiracy. So second topic, I guess, if you want to go there. So anyways. Okay. So Titanic. But obviously we're going to dive into some history first. Like we're going to go way back to when the Titanic was made and its sisters and the Olympic and the Britannic. I don't know- Exactly. Those things, so. so let's kind of dive into the history of what the Titanic is, how it was made, when it was made, and the the other its sister ships. So, the owners, founders, and creators of the Titanic and its two sisters was actually named the White Star Line. The three sisters consisted of the Olympic, being the eldest, so the first one created, the Titanic, and then the Britannic. The Britannic came after the Titanic. Yes, but the ship was built before the accident. I'm imagining. Because which which one? Britannic. No. It was built after the accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were like, nah, let's try again. The the Olympic and the Titanic were built almost in conjunction with each other. The Olympic started and then they started building the Titanic. And then actually there's kind of a significant gap when the Britannic was being created. Oh. 
this is less about the Britannic. I do throw in some cool facts about it because it's actually these are all world record ships. They all set their own like records. Shit. So they're kind of cool. So Britannic's kind of a little bit later, mm-hmm. and you'll see why. Uh, most of our history, actually, and our story lies before nineteen. Um, well, before um, the Titanic actually was set out to sea. S- which is interesting. Okay. So, um, and then again, the Britannic comes in later. But in 1902, actually, Harland and Wolf purchased the White Star Line, and they were the operators of the Titanic during its downfall. But again, most of our stuff that we're going to talk about is actually way before 1902 until the actual accident itself. Okay. So just keep that in mind. We're talking about White Star Line. Like late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is like Albert Einstein's era, by the way. Mm-hmm. And World War One. Right. So, yeah. Because, yeah, at that time... Einstein was fleeing Germany right. to come to America because he's like, fuck war. Right. So the White Star Line was a British shipping company that started as a packet company or a com- not tech. I know. Packets? I know. <laughs> <laughs> or a company that's dedicated essentially to mail, tra- uh, mail trade. Oh, okay. Um, they essentially clawed their way to the top to become one of the most elite shipping lines in the world. They, and they provided passenger cargo services between the U.S. and Britain, essentially. So they crossed over um, the Atlantic quite a bit. Right. They were created not for speed, but actually for a revolutionary comfort. And then they turned into a cruise line. Hmm. They focused on high, or I'm sorry, on having higher accommodations for not just the upper classes, but actually the lower class, <laughs> the lower classes, and people who are immigrating between the two countries, mm-hmm. legal and non-legal. Hmm. They didn't ask questions. Right. So the White Star Line's first liner to be commissioned was actually the Oceanic. Um, the Oceanic was the start kind of of the change and of passenger cruise lines where it started to get more luxury based. So it entered service in 1871 and it, um, yeah, essentially, so passenger lines used to be like, if you think of like a stadium seat, they used to be like just rows of seats. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd sit, you'd go from one place to the next. It could be days on time. You don't know. And then you could have a little box cabin room where there's like a box bed and then they'd stack them up kind of like bunks. So for now, um, that was just, that was the standard. The Oceanic took those standard row seats and changed it into literally like luxury cabins multiple people being able to like sit in a room they had like dining rooms you could like walk around eat food blah 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 and so this was kind of the that revolutionary changed with the white star line so that was blah 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 how we changed over but in 19 i'm sorry 1875 the oceanic was chartered to um occidental and oriental steamship company and then it was sold for scrap in 1895 it kind of had a short life just under 20 years because it just because they could. Um, I think it was the it was the first of its line, and it wasn't ma- necessarily maybe as effective. Right. But maybe they abuse it. Maybe they're like, okay, this is kind of outdated and old, so we're gonna you know build something more. This was the start of the change. Okay. So the history of the White Star Line Company kind of has a deep dark history with failed cruises. They had a transatlantic ocean liner named the Atlantic. Haha. <laughs> The Atlantic traveled between Liverpool, the UK, and obviously New York City. So it was the Atlantic. Literally the Atlantic. (laughs) Literally. On its 19th trip in April 1st, 1873, the ship struck rocks and sank off the coast of Nova Scotia. This is the first ship? This is, no, this is just, um, this is one of the ships that had issues in the White Star Line. Oh, okay. The White Star Line has a lot of issues within their ships itself. I can see that. Damn. 
So this is the Atlantic, not this isn't their first ship. The Oceanic was their first ship. Right. Pay attention. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. The ship sank, killing 535 people on board as it went down. To Jesus. this day in 1873, this is the deadliest civilian maritime event by date until the SS Labragon in 1898 and then the Titanic in 1912. Those are the next two deadliest in history line. Jesus, they have a good track record of killing people. Right. So continue on with the White Star Line, which in this point in time, so we're jumping to 1903. Remember, they were bought out by Wolf and Har- or Harland and Wolf in 1902. Right. They had another sinking accident in 1903. The RMS Republic was a steam-powered ocean liner. It was created in 1903. The liner was sailing back from Boston when she collided with the SS Florida and then sank. Luckily, the ship was equipped with a new wireless t- telegraphics uh, transmitter and got a s- distress signal out. So over 1,500 people were able to be saved, but this uh, brought global attention to the efficiency of radio transmission, especially when emergencies and stuff happen. So Yeah, sure. This should have brought attention to the fucking uh, oceanic line of what do you call them? uh, Ships. Right. Well, this is is still (laughs) early. Remember, this is 1903. Right. So radio transmission was just starting its, its turn of the century shit, so... The ship carried some of the wealthiest people in the world and was nicknamed the Millionaire Ship before it was being lost to the sea forever. Jesus. So, luckily, everyone was saved. Lastly, after the Titanic, we're going to talk about the youngest sister of the Olympic, which was the Britannic. Um, This was meant to serve as a transatlantic passenger liner that worked as a hospital ship during the World War I. The mm. World War One, World War One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Britannic was designed to be the safest ship of the three sisters after learning from the devastation of the Titanic itself, of course. Sure. It sailed between the U.S. and Dardanelles on November 21st, 1916. An explosion from an Imperial German Navy ship sank the ship, and within 55 minutes, she was swallowed to the Aegean, killing 30 people. Oh, Jesus. Luckily, the ship was able to get out a signal and rescue 1,036 people in total. At the time of the sinking, she was the largest hospital ship in the world and utilized in World War I, again, for the Allies, which the majority was the UK, US, Serbia, Germany, Austria, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire. So Basically that's the, that's the blip NATO. history of the Britannic. Yeah, kind of kind of modern-day NATO plus more. There's more in the Allies <laughs> than this, but right. yes. Thank you. What? Uh, nothing. I was having an internal thought like, okay. that came out. That literally, like, I don't <laughs> oh know. Oh oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, my God. Okay, so let's get to the real story. Okay. So we all we all know, except for you, the classic tale of the RMS <laughs> I know the classic tale. The luxury ship that sank on its maiden voyage. Right. Maiden voyage. After sea trials, people don't understand. Okay, this isn't the first time it went out. You have a ship has to go through building phases, and then it goes through sea trials, has to pass those sea trials, and then it starts carrying passengers. That makes Classic sense. safety. So it's sank on its maiden voyage off the coast of Newfoundland after hitting an iceberg. The dis- this disaster killed more than 1,500 people and was the largest marine disaster in the world at that time. Again, it was surpassed before. Right. Um. It, actually, no, we didn't talk about the surpass of this one. We talked about the one before this one. So this one was surpassed in 1945 when Wilhelm Gusloff, a German transport ship, that was the name of the ship 
by the way. Interesting. Oh. It was sunk by a uh, Soviet submarine, killing almost 9,000 people. It was a, a passenger ship? I th- I don't know. I think it, it, I think it was been military. It 9,000 people. No, I think it was military. Shit. Yeah, Damn. it was a military transport. Uh, don't that quote was on, me. That was on purpose. They gunned it down. Basically. Yes, exactly. Jesus. Crazy. German transport ship. Yeah. Transport, mm. yeah. Yeah. Soviet submarines shot it down. Yikes. Fucking hell. So, the Olympic was deemed the luckiest of the sister ships. It was the largest man-made moving object in the world at the time, which is crazy to think about. Right. Huge. Um, only to be surpassed later on by the Titanic for its time. Mm-hmm. The Olympic was only three inches shorter and 1,000 tons less than its almost twin, the Titanic itself. So it's a 47,000 is roughly what um, the Titanic weighed, and the Olympic was 46,000. So I, I know 1,000 tons sounds like a lot, but in reality, in comparison, not that much. Right. When you're talking about hundred or tens of thousands of tons. R- right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately... <laughs> Uh, because the Titanic had the title of the biggest ship in the world, it gave that title back after it sank in April 1912 to the Olympic, and then the Britannic was the biggest at the time. Interestingly enough, the Olympic had underwent three separate accidents before the Titanic sunk. Jesus. It took almost two years to construct the Olympic, and it did its sea trials in October 1910. While the Titanic was under construction in Belfast... The RMS Olympic was launched on its maiden voyage, June 14th, 1911. Maiden voyage, not sea trials. Remember, we just talked to sea trials was 1910. Right. During its launch from its maiden voyage from Southampton, England, it was met with gentle summer seas in kind of warmish water, quote unquote. The steam-powered engine was able to cover about 430 to 560 miles per day based off of the wind and hit New York City just shy of six days later. These luxury ships were first of its kind, and most ports did not have the space or the depth to accommodate her size and the potential 2,300 passengers aboard. New York had to create a separate new port to dock this ship because it was so large. Jesus. So, luckily, now New York can accommodate these massive luxury liners. But this was the start, essentially, of an entire new class. We talked about the Oceanic before being a new class. This is an entirely new class of huge ocean liners and oceanic life. Though not much information is available, there was an accident in this voyage, and it was um, and damage essentially to the stern was was resulted. This was accident one. You know what's funny is the out of like transport out of like cars, planes, and boats. I would think that boats have the least amount of problems with Isn't it planes? accidents. Isn't it planes? Planes has the least amount of accidents, which you'd think that would be the most. Well, you have to consider passenger. Small, you can have small craft boats. They're probably including that. Like, I go whack my ten foot aluminum off the thing and sink it. Yeah, but you're like you're in the middle of like an endless, vast amount of water. Oh, people don't give a fuck. You still like crash these things. It's crazy. Jet skis all the time. Well, that's because they're fucking stupid. Well, you hit a wave wrong. You go bouncing into your buddy ripping next to you. I don't have any buddies. Same. Joke's on you. You're my buddy. Yeah. We can go jet skiing this summer. Yeah, I'm excited. Anyways, can we get back to it? Holy shit. Okay, sorry. Okay, it's September 20th, 1911. The Olympic left Southampton again, this time carrying 1,313 passengers. 
One hour and 20 minutes into his voyage, the vessel came across the Royal Navy cruiser, the HMS Hawk, traveling in the opposite direction, passing each other. Mm-hmm. This is so fucking wild. Okay. So nearly 500 feet shorter, the Hawk. Both vessels were destined to pass each other going roughly 16 knots, which translates to one nautical mile per hour, per hour, or roughly 1.15 miles per hour per knot. If you don't remember what a nautical mile is, it's just slightly faster. So like five knots is like six, almost. Roughly six miles per hour. Very slow. But out of nowhere, the Olympic, when passing right next to the Hawk, started to turn port to the left, which is actually away from the hawk itself so the hawk if you're looking so picture yourself you're on um the olympic itself and it starts to turn left the hawk is passing you on the right coming towards you Mm -hmm. so out of nowhere for some reason the olympic decided to start turning away just as the hawk was passing itself so it's butt swung out no it actually it just started angling away okay that's it just that okay The vessels, unfortunately, were passing so close that the sweeping suction power from the turn drew the Hawk into its propellers onto the starboard side of the ship. So it turned away, it created this massive suction wave, and it drew the Hawk in because it like (laughs) went to the left and then drew it. It Why are they passing so close? There was no laws back then because they've never had a ship this big and they didn't know. That's why. Oh, my God. It seems so stupid. I know. It does. It does now, but they just didn't know. So the bow of the hawk smashed into the side of the Olympic and put two massive holes into the metal hull on the starboard side in the front. (laughs) Luckily, the watertight compartments were locked down and above the waterline, mostly, and the Olympic was able to stay afloat and return to port. There was no casualties on either ship, but the entire bow of the hawk was peeled away. The hawk. Right. This incident changed the distance that is needed to maintain during passing during passing on these new large freight liners, as this was a never an issue before, and it was never thought of due to the ship sizes have just never been these bit this big like to these ocean liners. Right. It just seems like common sense to me to be like, hey, these things are fucking huge. Let's just right. stay really far away from each other. Right. Let's not just even pass get any- like hundreds of feet away. Like you have a whole fucking ocean. Why are right. you passing within like? Even a hundred yeah. yards. Like, just don't even. And why get would you close. turn away? Like, when the RMS Hawk is packed, you just start sweeping to the left, and again, that massive suction force drags this ship in as it's going. It's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It no. just seems overlooked. Uh, very. <clears throat> Anyways, so the Olympic underwent two months of repairs, including an entire replacement of the third of the starboard side with new steel and a new propeller. Court proceedings determined the Olympic to be at fault for turning too soon and passing too close. Their insurance company, Lloyd's of London, denied to reimburse the repairs due in an at-fault nature. So to recoup costs and keep the massive ship in the water, the workers took parts from the Titanic to repair the Olympic as the Titanic was still under construction in this time while the Olympic was doing its runs. Okay. Accident due. February 1912... Two months before the Titanic was released on its maiden and final voyage, so the Titanic was in its sea trials, the Olympic ran over a sunken ship and threw a propeller blade, causing further damage to the ship and the underside of the hull as it ricocheted off. The ship returned to Belfast for more repairs. No insurance payout. So they're in the hole with insurance right They now. are seriously in the hole with all these. And I mean, when you have to make a repair, like you're not just like slapping a piece of steel. These ships right. are massive yeah massive and probably 
millions of dollars in repairs. Right. So the Titanic was still docked. Harland and Wolf was eating money left and right, and they were clearly not making money with the insurance company denying any reimbursement due to self-inflicted damages, crew mistakes, and at-fault um, accidents. So this is where we kind of really get into it. The Olympic had undergone many hull repairs at this point, with a majority on the starboard side. To recoup any further costs, the company decided that sinking the ship and making it look like an accident would force the insurance company to pay out with the full reimbursement and replacement of the ship. Right. That's like the equivalent of like my car situation where like I lost the underside skirt, but my insurance wouldn't cover that. So I'd have to go fucking wreck my car and then they would replace it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's insurance fraud, my friends. So the Titanic was almost identical, right? They call them twin sisters for a reason. Yeah. The Olympic was qu quickly relabeled as the unsinkable Titanic, not the Titanic, the unsinkable <laughs> Titanic, and then sent on its maiden voyage on April 10th. On normal schedule, five days later on April 15th, the ship put out a mayday call. 11.40, the crew of the Titanic, quote-unquote, stated they spotted an iceberg dead ahead of them and alerted the bridge for imminent impact. First Officer William Murdoch ordered the ship's thrusters to reverse, but it was too late and the ship had too much forward momentum. Instead, he attempted to turn away, putting all the engine to turn to port side. The ship hit on starboard side, severely denting but not breaching the hull. Five out of the 16 watertight compartments were flooded, and water flooded from compartment to compartment over the tops. Okay, so that's kind of the quick view of the Titanic. The timeline on this is almost fucking perfect. Two, what was it, two months before the Titanic was about to do its maiden voyage, the Olympic had this. Right. They had, you know, a few weeks to relabel and then send it out. Like, this is right before. <sighs> oh, my God. So the Titanic was called the unsinkable ship, right? Um, a lot of people don't know like the actual structural layout of Tita the Titanic, and it's actually really important about why the ship sank. It had to be... These ships were actually made to take punctures in the hull, right? and they had 16 separate watertight compartments that if you sealed them off, you were able to keep on cruising, right? but if you sunk too many of those watertight compartments, you would sink the ship and it would flex and break right so it's the, designed to be punctured right in a way and not... it's designed to take on water <clears throat> damage and then be temporarily like turned around and sent back to port it, to, to float right it's a kind of a new design no one's ever done to the sectioning off part of the ship and the lower part of the, the the whatever the hull itself right so the watertight compartments were supposed to work by staying above the water line <laughs> Yes, the water would be above the water line and not overspilling from compartment to compartment. So the in the event of a reasonable foreseeable damage, you could float. If any single compartment was compromised, the bulkheads were high enough to prevent overspilling. So these aren't fully sealed compartments like they should have been. These aren't like if you lock a door, it seals off forever. You can't go. Mm -hmm. The tops, the top like tiny, tiny bit percentage wise, maybe like 5% had a gap and it allowed overflow from water from one compartment to the next. If it filled up to the brim, it could overflow into the next, Okay. which is a flaw in the design. Oh, I thought that was by, I thought you were going to say it's by design. No. For some so reason, like when you, if you have a, a hole in the hall and you have active water leaking in, you can fill a compartment and then it gets full, it overspills into the next. That one fills, overspills into the next. How do you, next. 
if you're gonna make watertight rooms, how do you oversee that? You know. I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you test it, it out? It was it was supposed to be, so oh. it goes into this. If any two adjacent compartments were compromised, the bulkheads were supposed to be high enough to prevent overspilling. And I think they're trying to think that would be a pressure relief, that if it filled up enough, you know, they were able to figure out how to seal it off, and then pr- it would overspill into the other side, but then, like, stabilize itself. Sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so if any three adjacent compartments other than DEF, which were kind of in the middle, and then EFG, which are again in the middle, were compromised, the bulkheads were high enough to prevent overspilling for some reason. So if, yeah, that was actually, so DEF and EFG, you have to look, uh, we'll, we'll have to post um, a picture of where these compartments are. Just check the Insta. Just check the Insta. Um but if certain parts of the ship, like if it's a little bit slightly in the middle in the front and then slightly in the middle of the back, mm-hmm. again, compromise multiple ones were, you, it wouldn't overspill enough to where it starts sinking the ship or tilt it on its axis too much to where it would fill up more. Mm-hmm. So if the first four compartments or the last four or a combination of the central four compartments have compromised, the bulkheads are high enough to actually cause overspilling to where that it would lean down the ship and then it would spill from the next to the next and then it would fill more. Sure. So it's just, it's basic literally water physics that they kind of oversaw. So these conditions cover a head-on collision, collision of the aft quarter or midship collision on a compartment boundary. These were the reasonably uh, foreseen potential threats to the ship that if they were to hit something that they'd have to worry about. The Titanic would have survived any of these the issue, however, was that the unforeseen damage event occurred. A long, scraping collision along the side and likely bottom that compromised as many as six compartments. It dented but didn't puncture, but broke all the rivets, allowing water to flood in. The Titanic could have been built with more robust compartmentalization, and she could have been built with bulkhead doors that went all the way up to the weather deck to prevent the overspillage. Mm-hmm. But this would have made the ship less attractive and less luxurious. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Okay, Passengers sure. don't like to see the ugly enclosures for bulkhead doors breaking up the lovely lines of the hallways. Ew, this is ghastly. Also, that kind of a compartmentalization cuts into cargo space, so you end up with a heavier, more expensive ship that requires more maintenance, you can carry less, and is less appealing to guests, which means lost revenue. It's all about the money. All about the money. Idiots. So... One, the Titanic had damage to six compartments, which it was meant to only take on water to four to stay um, floating. Mm -hmm. And two, where it was, again, closer to the front of the ship with those four compartments or six compartments, it started to fill from the front to the back, causing a nosedive. These freight liners are so huge, they have something in the center called expansion joints. Um, So the Titanic, 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 the Titanic not only flooded, but was actually broken into two pieces in the middle of it. Yeah, I've seen the movie. Right. Yeah. And then that guy fell in the middle. Yeah. And then he goes, okay. Uh, It was proven that this (laughs) happened at the surface, actually, um, when it broke into half. So as the ship nosedived, there's what's called an expansion joint in the middle of the ship. This allows the ship to flex in the center of the hull when it undergoes sea and wave. Yes, exactly. So when you hit a wave, you don't have all this central tension coming up to when the 
the ship goes up just slightly, it puts a lot of pressure right in the center. Mm -hmm. So they create it so there's this little slight hinge to it. There's a flex point. Right. So it just absorbs the, the waves. Makes sense. Because the ship is so large, again, it prevents added overstresses to the hull and its internal structures itself. So as the ship nosedives, the joint failed, snapped in half, taking the entire rest of the ship with it, and then both pieces sunk to the floor. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of this flaw, it also made the ship sink way faster than it would if it just started slowly nosediving down. Right. If it never broke, they probably would have had a lot more time. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure that fucking ship weighed so much that those joints had no, no chance. No, not even close. So probably just bent like fucking butter. Unfortunately, that made most rescues like futile and basically toasted. So once toasted 1517 lives were lost as only 20 lifeboats were aboard 20 jesus there were inflatable lifeboats but most of them were old rotted or had holes in them making them useless it was stated that the olympic was 580 miles away and had powered up to actually go rescue them it was later called off when they're only 120 miles away as the rms carpathia had been closer which was another ship in passing by and saved all that she could, and most would not survive the freezing waters. So they're 120 miles away, and they called another rescue ship off because they just everyone was already dead because the water was so cold. Right. What's really sad is the captain of the Olympic, Edward Smith, he was also captain on the Titanic on this trip. <laughs> not a very good captain. <laughs> Even though they had another dated, dedicated captain to crew the Titanic, which is very interesting. So why... They have a they have a captain to, to basically to take with the Titanic. Why are they taking the captain from the Olympic, putting him on the Titanic, the unsinkable Titanic, and sending him off to sea trials? Because he was in on it. Because he's, it's the Olympic. Because they were he was in on it. They told him they were like, hey, uh, listen, we got we, we um we we're gonna sink the Titanic, and we're gonna get a lot of money for it. Okay, so we need you to get on that ship. And fucking run that thing into an iceberg. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. After the sinking of the Titanic, <laughs> the liner's crew went on strike to change all the safety protocols to the remaining liners. Duh. Instead of changing the safety protocol, Harlan and Wolf fired most of the crew. This immediately backfired on them. The newly hired crew did the exact same strike and the media put a huge bad rep on the company, saying that they weren't safe. To not fully go under and lose the entire business and from poor, poor publicity and mutiny, mm -hmm. they were forced to make huge safety changes and rehire the old crew. <laughs> Give them their jobs back. What the fuck? Yeah, it's probably union, but who knows? Yeah. Union back then. This included increasing methods of communication, increasing life jackets, um... And the physical lifeboats went from 20 to 68. The physical ones, just the actual, like, hard wood ones. They only had 20? Only. On the Titanic? Only 20. Only 20. For all those people. For thousands of people. Jesus. Inflatable lifeboats were not that were not rotted or damaged were also added and refit to the Olympic and the Britannic. The quote-unquote Olympic and Britannic. Mm -hmm. Then they had to be inspected regularly, too. Right. So why does this make sense that this is not the Titanic and this is actually the Olympic? Obviously, the insurance payout. 
Three separate induced accidents with no reimbursement add up to huge costs. And interestingly enough, Lloyds of London paid the £1 million claim within 30 days of the sinking of the Titanic. No lives lost. I'm, so- I'm sorry. Not including lives lost, art, personal items, and jewelry costs. They just paid for the ship. They didn't pay for the personal stuff. Yeah, I don't stuff. give a shit about that. But within 30 days. Like, boom, instant. Hmm. Um, the captain was the same for both ships. Edward Smith, the appointed captain for the Olympic. Why was he captain on the Titanic's maiden voyage? One of the most, like, prestigious things you want to be on. Like, this is your ship, your appointed captain. You want to be on the maiden voyage. You want that title. Right. So why is he on Titanic's maiden voyage? Because he's not on the Titanic. Right. So... <laughs> Did you know that they actually went back and took pictures of the iceberg that the Titanic hit? There's this huge, like, red scrape across it. Red? Yeah. Like, reddish, rusty metal scrape. Red and gray. Oh, I see. Yeah. Not, like, blood. But, I mean, we've been to the, um, like, divers have been to the Titanic. Wouldn't you think they would be like, oh, that's not the Titanic. That's actually... They were almost identical when they made them. Oh. They're like mirror image. But doesn't it have like Titanic written on it, basically? They relabeled it when it was under construction, when it ported right before the maiden voyage. So what happened to the quote unquote, they just swap, swip swapped them? Oh, shit. They flipped, they swapped them. Now oh, you're getting shit. Oh, shit. So, when they, so this is important. They went back to the iceberg. They, one, took measurements and pictures of it when they saw the huge red streak off of it. Based off of the size of the ship, how huge this iceberg was, this iceberg could have been visualized on deck six to eight miles away. Right. Yeah, that's, like, the biggest... That's the thing, even in the movie, like, I think they might have mentioned it, like... No. In the movie, they just are like, oh, there's an iceberg dead ahead, and it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like pitch black. They're all down at a party. Right, right, right. Right, but I mean, after, at least I thought, or maybe I just heard it in like a a documentary or something, but like the, the fact that they didn't see it coming was like the most shocking part of that. It is because there is someone who's that has to be mandatory stationed in the crow's nest at all times, and if you can see six to eight miles from the deck, the crow's nest, it would have been even farther. Right. There's Even no, if it was at night, this yeah. thing was massive. You, you have to think, too. They're in the middle of the ocean, right, at night. Right. Unless it's fucking overcast, you have starlight. Mm-hmm. Like, it, the, you can see. Right. It's not you like, you're, it's not like your you can't too. see. Right. Right. <laughs> so there's that. You could have seen this coming. Granted, at night, what decrease it to two mile visual, one mile visibility, vis- visibility, whatever. Right. And you could still avoid it. The other thing, so the rounding pace of the ship of eight, which is eighteen hundred feet, means that the ship could have turned away from an iceberg with an eighteen hundred foot notice to clear it. So this makes no sense why they didn't turn long before they saw this. There's no way they didn't see it. Again, someone is up there mandatory. Um, In actuality and under the recreation, when they put the reverse thrusters on to slow the ship down, when they did that, it angled the ship to the right just slightly more. (laughs) Lovely. To go into the iceberg more. Towards the iceberg. Like, what? Action to rescue the 2,224 passengers and crew was not taken until 45 minutes after the collision. They didn't call anyone until 45 minutes after. So they were like, oh, we hit an iceberg, but it's probably fine. 
the only thing that I couldn't think of was that they relied on that the compartment theory of four or less would hold and they didn't realize it was going to flood six. Right. It was just actively flooding and then it spilled over. So they were like, yeah, it's fine, probably. That's the only thing I can think of why. But if you hit something, why the fuck are you waiting? If I hit, fuck, if I hit a tree, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I hope my fucking boat doesn't sink, like, or anything. Right. Like, what? Well, you should at least report it, like, immediately, just in case something like this would happen. Yeah, or, like, at least stage things to get ready. Right. Get people uh, prepared. Yeah, stop drinking the fucking wine, Susan, and get your life jacket on and get towards the boat just in case. Right, and get if it's, like, deck. not a big deal, then they're like, okay, back to what you were doing. Right, But exactly. if it is, then you're ready. Prepare. Yeah. So before the, before the Titanic even was sent out, many millionaires actually canceled their reservations just hours before the departure. That was in the movie. It was. <laughs> J.P. Morgan, Jacob Astor, which is a hotel and skyscraper architect, Isidore Strauss, a banker owner and owner of Macy's, um, all these higher up people canceled just within hours before. They were like, hey. All Don't get on that shit. Right, all separate, like all separate companies, nothing tied together. Right. <laughs> oh my god, this is so sketchy. Isn't that sketch? Yeah, it is. It's very sketch. So interestingly enough, after the Titanic sank, the Olympic, quote unquote, went on to serve twenty five more years and help extensively with troop transport in World War One. The Britannic again was the largest hospital ship in the world during the war. I found out other alternate um, theories why this might actually still be the Titanic and not the Olympic. So, just a couple. So, the inside, apparently, the inside between the Titanic and the Olympic itself had completely different architecture. So, the crews, captains, and creators would have had to known about the swap if they did it. Right. They would have had to know. Again, but they also had to relabel it, too. So, I don't know. Did they pay for hush-hush? But possibly why did they go out and kill 2000 or well 1517 people and a captain and crew well maybe maybe they could because... have docked it and set it on fire for money oh sure yeah literally but maybe they were like not anticipating how devastating maybe they the goal was to fill those four and in... the goal was to sink it yeah, that's a good point then. I don't know. Maybe they didn't expect the boats to not hold everybody. That, you know, those lifeboats were not supposed to rot, like be rotted. And that was, would that would have been enough to hold everybody? Maybe. The timeline is perfect. Literally, like, f- what, four weeks? Two to four to six weeks before... The Titanic was sent to its maiden voyage. The Olympic had its third accident, was in for repairs, quickly rebranded. It The timeline is so perfect on this. It is insane. Yeah. It's like, ah, shit, our insurance won't cover it. What do we do? And, and I don't then... know if you made the connection. Where the, where the Titanic, quote unquote, hit on the hull was every site of damage that it had previously on that starboard side the right side in the front oh yeah it scraped along that front right side the hawk ran into it they hit a ground on that side so they demolished it so you couldn't see the evidence they hit on the exact same side that every piece of damage had come on prior to that ship which is funny because why did they turn port 
if right. this thing is right in front of them, why did they go to the left instead of taking a right? Yeah. Why did they put on the reverse thrusters to angle it to the right just slightly? You know what's crazy is I, it, I this is literally just a joke. Just oh, a joke. here we go. But with my car and it's damaged. Oh my god, your fucking car. I've joked about like, oh, <sighs> if I just sideswiped a tree on that skirt side, my insurance would cover it because mm-hmm. they'd never know. I, it'd be too damaged. Supposedly. They, they wouldn't know. And no, I would never do that, but I'm just saying like that is a thought that I've had subconsciously never act on it like the titanic did but oh <laughs> do you believe it i mean it it does add up it adds up it's like why and why not who cares it's just a different ship it's the same ship but that would be the i mean one million pounds back then right 1912 right that's the largest insurance fraud in history god damn crazy when i saw i was like sitting there i was like starboard side starboard side starboard side that's <gasps> why <laughs> like, so i was like oh my god yeah that's literally I was like sitting here researching while you're trying to work and i'm like what the fuck and you're like oh my god what and i'm like no can't tell you i can't tell you i want you to be like shocked yeah that is uh that is shocking it and, is uh, shocking but it's oh i'm so into it I, I do believe it i do believe it i think you can pay someone to be quiet uh, with, for with a million pound money? payout, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and then you have especially like because if they didn't get that claim, they could have been. I mean, we don't know how much in the hole they were, but they could have gone to the crew and been like, "Look, we're going under. Like, you're all gonna lose your jobs if we don't do this." Right. And that would, like, that alone would have been motivation enough to do it. Right. And they're like, "Okay, and bud. we'll pay you." Right. Here we go. Right. I. No harm, no foul. Why not? Well, I mean, except for, you know, the, the thousands, thousands of, of people, people that, that died. <laughs> but I know that's awful. That's the only doubt I have is why kill all right. these people? Right. Why sink the ship? Put 300 people on. Just say you're doing a test trial, like a small or, voyage. Or, yeah, or be like, oh, we're just doing cargo for now. Are they truly like that much into money? All those tickets? That's what they won. That's why they they filled the ship to sink it to make all that money. Maybe. One last hurrah. Maybe. That's sick. Because they probably made a fuck ton of money off. I mean, they did hype it, didn't they? Like, it was all over the news. The unsinkable ship. The unsinkable Everybody was so Titanic. hyped to They go. renamed it from the Titanic to the unsinkable Titanic. Right. Because of those compartments. And I know Titanic I explained that unsinkable. really poorly, but I'll try and find a good animation for it. Because it's hard. Each compartment is labeled... And each part of the ship has different weight classes. Like, you can only sink, like, have three compartments on this side flooded in these certain areas, but you can have four in these areas. And it's like that flaw on the top where the water can overspill. And if it's on the ends and it starts to nosedive down, you can see the water will flow up as it sinks more from compartment to compartment. So, mm. crazy. Fucking crazy. So, that's it. That's well, all I've got. All right. That's, well, that's here we are. I. I had no idea about any of those other ships. I know. The Titanic was so hyped and so disastrous that that's ev- all anybody ever hears about. The unsinkable Titanic. Yeah. they. I mean, that's not really a big deal when they rename ships. They do it all the time. Like, they renamed <clears throat> the Olympic after it finished its quote-unquote fixes when they resend it back out to the, to the sea, the RMS Olympic. So, right. They just, whatever. The remission Olympic. The RMS Olympics. So, yeah. So, keep an eye out for our Instagram posts. Yeah. Follow us on out. IG. And check Starmans.live for all of our stuff. Yes. All of our links are in there. Order some merch. Join our Patreon. Follow us on TikTok. 
follow us on the tickety tock. The tic tacs. Tic tac. We put some cool shit out. Actually, you put some cool shit out. I'm yeah. just here for the ride. You should do one on the Titanic. That'd be cool. Nah, go for it. I don't want to. I don't want episode. to. No. Come on. Nah. Neither do I. I'm all nasally. I'm like, welcome to Chili's. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We will see you guys in the next episode. Um, let's just say we're going to go through some absolutely mind-blowing facts about our solar system. Absolutely mind-blowing. That's all you get. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.